Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. talking about? I don't know. It came a bit noisy. It's coming from outside. Charlie, it's just the wind or something. Come on, let's go back to bed. Somebody's on the roof. Maybe it's Santa. Not now, Charlie. I want you to sit here, and I want you to stay right there. Ho, 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 and halo, halo. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, season's greetings, and happy Halo Days. You're tuning in to a very magical episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast, where we talk all things Halo and so much more. Guys, every year Just a Santa is about to make the rounds in the sleigh. Brian and I like to have our own little holiday war dog run and stick y'all with some holiday hand grenades full of joy for all you folks driving out to the fam fams or just looking to pass a little more time at work. How are you listening to us? Pull up a chair, sip on some warm cocoa. Not too hot, extra chocolate, and shaken, not stirred. And lend those elven ears, everyone, as we spend this year dishing on all things Tim Allen's Santa Claus. Oh, oh, oh! From the 1994 classic all the way to the Santa Clauses on Disney+, Plus, we're going to have some rip-roaring fun. I'm Joshua Hargis, and joining me as always is my buddy, my pal, my friend, Brian Arvett. Good God, your weight! What happened? Beasting. Evidently, I'm allergic. It almost killed me. But the guy at the emergency room said that eventually the swelling will go down. I hope. Did I miss anything? No, uh, we were just about to order lunch. Great! I'm starving! I'll have a salad and an iced tea and dressing on the side. Ah, pasta and tomatoes? Uh, and very light on the oil. Can you do that? And I'll have a Caesar, no dressing, and one of those homemade cookies, the warm chocolate chip, no nuts, and a little slice of cheesecake, uh, creme brulee, and, uh, hot fudge sundae, extra hot fudge, on the side. Anything to drink? Uh, ice cold milk. Stung by a bee, Scott? A big bee? (laughs) Hey, guys. 
if you are ready to tune in to us go on and on and on about the Santa Claus movies, well, then you came to the right place. If you're not, you should stay anyways, because we're just interesting to listen to. So, uh, guys, everybody goes through their uh, Christmas movies every year, that they kind of the ritualistic thing you do before Christmas, and on our rotation is always Tim Allen's The Santa Claus Films. Always. You have one, two, and three, and now, as of this year, you have the Disney Plus series that continues it, and it's just announced for a season two, so there's there's more coming of that. Um, Josh, let's start with the first movie. Um, what's your earliest memory of watching The Santa Claus uh, 1994, I believe, was yeah, the... Yeah, so it was comes out in 94, so I probably didn't see it until 95. I, I don't know what what month it came out, but it was pretty early on, that movie being, like, freshly new. And I'm sure Christmas, December. The, the sole memory I really have of, like, seeing it for the first time was that scene where Santa falls off the roof, and then he goes to the North Pole, meets Judy, Bernard, and everybody. Like, that whole kind of opening sequence... Christmas Eve night into Christmas or whatever. That part is still amazing, and th- th- there's that moment when uh, he, him and Charlie get to the North Pole for the first time, and they're sitting out there, the reindeer cut loose, and they take off, and Santa, or uh, Scott Calvin's like, can you guys even hear me? And it's playing this beautiful music. Almost, It makes me cry almost every it's, time. It's angelic. The, it's almost like yeah. otherworldly. The, when I was a kid, it didn't get me, but it's like the older I get, that type of Christmas music, oof. That man. See, I think I told you, I don't know why, but that when they get to the North Pole and they're sitting there outside and that music's playing, as a kid, it always made me really sad. Like, yeah. by the feeling it portrayed to me was sadness. Yeah. But then maybe that maybe that was intentional because once they go underground and they get into the North Pole, it's like, and then it's happy. You know, it's oh, yeah. Yeah, it quickly changes. So. They, they turn it up. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's what hard, you, like, man? when, you know... Josh, you guys know Josh and I love to talk about, like, uh, subjective, objective, critical views and personal views and, like... Now, luckily, the Santa Claus one is actually a fresh tomato on the Rotten Tomatoes. Like it is seen as mm, a that'll be fun to look wa- these up. Actually, yeah, look that up. Uh, it's seen as a as a good movie. It's not seen as as a bad movie or, or too cheesy or anything like that. But uh, it's hard when you have such an attachment to movies like this. You grow up with them. I think the Santa Claus one is a great movie. Um, it, it it does a really good job of giving us a grounded, real like interpretation of what it would look like if somebody became Santa Claus and I don't think that ever really been done. Oh, I just saw the score for Santa Claus 3. We'll get to that oh, one though. They're bad. <laughs> okay. What's Santa Claus 1 score? Uh this is uh let's see this is 73% fresh. Okay. So which yeah, is great good. with an audience score of 65. So that's that's pretty good, pretty close. But I'm surprised the yeah. audience score is that low to be honest. I thought it would've been higher, yeah. Me too. To me this is a Christmas classic because and, and the thing that the first movie does so much better than the other two is like I just said is it's grounded, right? Like the, right. the movie feels like it takes place on earth like just normal casual like Christmas time and there's a businessman named Scott Calvin and he ends up getting into this Santa Claus hijinks with the son and that's what makes it so uh, exciting. Plus, this was at a time where like Tim Allen's career was booming with Home Improvement. Oh my gosh! You, you have uh, different. He did people. Toy Story around this time. He did Jungle to yeah. Jungle around this time. I mean, a couple others, I think, too. But yeah, absolutely. You have different people that that he had connections with that show up in either this movie or other Santa Claus movies. Remember, in the first movie, when he's driving the sleigh, he goes past that guy. He's like, "If you take I ninety five, you know whatever he says, <laughs> is it just this way?" And the guy who's driving that is is a friend that was on. Uh, Home he was on Home Improvement. Yeah, I, I think remember. He was like, that. didn't he own like a sandwich shop or something? I can't. remember I think what so. It was. I think it was that guy. Because there was yeah. there was for a couple seasons that one uh, hardware store that they go yeah. to. Somebody, one of them owns it, and then like that guy's in there constantly eating donuts. I think. 
Yeah, something like that. So like he <laughs> yeah. showed up, and then of course eventually we'll 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 get to these later. But like you know, um, he, the the guy who plays the Molinator in the second movie was oh. in Home Improvement. Goaded, uh, goaded character. Yeah, stuff like that. But Santa Claus One, man, yeah, I I don't really remember the first time I watched it because I just I mean I was born in '92, so by the time I watched it with memory, it had been out for at least three years. Uh, but we had it on VHS, uh, and uh, we we played every year. And and the thing is, it's funny is like. So you know a lot of times when you watch movies with people and the, per- the person you're watching a movie with is a big fan of it, so they like to say the lines before the person says the line in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And in most cases, <laughs> it's annoying. In most cases, it's annoying. But for me as like a five-year-old or whatever, my earliest memory of watching this movie, every single time we'd watch it, about a half second before it gets to that scene where Tim's cooking the turkey, my dad would go... <laughs> and he would just sing. He'd sing the whole thing with the movie, and a as a five-year-old, you know, you think differently. You're not as annoyed by that stuff as a five-year-old. I was like always kind of looking over at my dad every year, like, "Is he going to do it this year? Is he going to do it?" And every time, my dad would do it. And even now, like, and even if my dad listened to this podcast, it's like it's not like he would listen to this podcast and then do it because I said it. If he never listened to this podcast, I could go watch Santa Claus with him in uh, tomorrow. And he would still do that before but, uh, it does it in the scene. And of course, like you know, as we did in the opening, my dad would always say like a big B, you know, before it got there. And so <laughs> as a kid, it was just honestly like I didn't really think of it. Like I didn't go into this episode thinking this, but I guess the truth is, it's kind of like the first movie specifically. It's kind of like an experience that I just picture like me and my dad. You know, I know my brothers and my mom was there plenty of times, but it was pretty much just like something to do with my dad and. It was always exciting to put this movie in when oftentimes the first time we watched it, it wasn't even December yet. So for me as a kid, it was like this movie is helping me to get through the long, tenuous wait until Christmas. Um, And uh, I don't know. So many things I can say about this movie. Go ahead. I definitely know that feeling. It's the same thing with my dad. I I remember watching with my dad specifically, but I'm sure my mom and my older sister were there, but... It's very much a father-son type movie. At the first one specifically, yeah. yeah. But that's what I love about it, um, and I lo- I just love how that goes throughout the the plot too. Because as we go through it, Charlie's helping him believe, and you know that's kind of the whole journey is Scott Calvin like starting to believe, sort of in himself as he's becoming Santa Claus, and he's like in denial for so long. But Charlie just is all about it right away, sticks to it, and it gets sad as you get it to gets really depressing points in them. They take yeah. his son away. Yeah, and you see wonders. him, there's that shot of him walking, you know, and they're, you know, it's it's like right after the court trial, and oh, man. Well, dude, just, and this is the thing we got to say. Yeah. I guarantee you'll agree with me. As kids, you're wondering, why is Charlie's mom such a piece of crap? Why would she do this? Why is her? Why is she and Neil villainous? But then when you become an adult, you're like, it's very obvious that if and we were if as as adults now, if this was happening with our child, we would do the same thing. I mean, Scott gained weight and grew the beard, and he is literally like sitting outside of a little kid soccer game, putting random children on his lap and letting them tell him what they want for Christmas. If you think of it from a realistic perspective, which is what this movie was going for, that is extremely creepy behavior. And you would need to get lawyers to keep. Well, I think kind of like what, yeah. what you said earlier is like that's kind of what makes the movie is that it tells a very like, human story, even though it yeah. has the the mystical mysticism of like the yeah. North Pole and stuff. They kind of that's kind of the backdrop of the movie, but they don't 
reveal all that. You know what I mean? That's kind of like secondary to the story about yeah. the characters. It's it's the characters that take priority. And dude, my dad, dude, my my, my dad and I, when we were watching it. We started in November, kind of like you said. We were starting that to kind of get us into that Christmas mood. That's pretty much the. I think that's the first movie we watched this year to kind of kick off the Christmas uh, festive uh, mood and stuff. And you know, we're sitting there like quoting and laughing at some of the scenes in my underwear. You know, does this look like a little weight to you? You know, and and all those lines. What is it? Here comes Santa rolling around in a panzer. You know, it, it looks like Santa just took out the Pearson family. And coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this movie is so quotable too, and it's just aged so well. I think that's the best thing about it because yeah. they're the special effects are so minimal. Like, yep. there's so much practicality used real, in this one. You know? It 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 still has that kind of illusion that's real, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I love. I, I, it's, it sets up a couple things that are great in this movie. Judge Reinhold with the sweater, the whole bit that they keep going back to with that, you know, yep. with Neil is hilarious. Um, you're in denial, Dad. Where did you hear that from Neil? I learned a lot from him. I think yeah, he's <laughs> like, I think you're just rashing, uh, lashing out irrationally. Yeah, yeah that's it. that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's the correct one. But yeah, I mean, and it, I also love like cause the thing is this movie like really like worked well for kids and parents because you have the parent angle of like understanding the higher themes like the lawyers and the why are they trying to keep Charlie away. But then you have the kid like Charlie. You're like you step into the boots of Charlie, and then that's your cool dad in the movie that's Santa. And then um, you have uh, oh man, where was I going with this? Um, oh, it's something to do with Judge Ryan Hold and his, um, I don't know. I'll have to come back. I lost my well, train well, I don't of thought, mean but... to. I don't mean to, like, cut you off. Hopefully, maybe somehow this will trigger it for you. But one of my favorite scenes, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because I think this is where it happens, but he is going to shave, and he shaves his whole beard yeah. off. And then all of a sudden, it just grows back immediately. And then he looks uh, at I'm himself, and he goes, I am in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Something about that. It's you know, it so always bothers me. Well, okay, I'm, I'm joking. It doesn't bother me at all because yeah. I get it. But like, what's hilarious now as an adult is every time the movie's trying to paint that Scott is fat, he gets on the scale and he freaks out at the weight, and it's less than I weigh. Oh, I know. Isn't that hilarious? It's insane. It's even hilarious. When he's, even when he's like heavy set at the doctor's and he's like he's he's got him jogging on the treadmill, and I'm like. Dude, you're good, man. You're good. Like I, I'd yeah. be huffing and puffing on there, you know. Like so. Like I think, on. I think the scale reads like, like two o five or something, and yeah. I weigh like two ten. So I'm oh, like, man. Uh, I'm fatter than Santa, I guess. <laughs> uh, but as a kid, I thought that was a ton because I only weighed like you know hundred pounds soaking wet, probably. Right. Um, but but yeah, some of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, honestly, I forget what their name names are, but the the elves. The elves with the attitude, or can't, I can't remember elves what they're called. E L L, yeah, E L L, yeah. And when they come and rescue him out of jail, and he's like, you know, yeah. he's got the tinsel and everything, and that one guy's like, can I get some of that tinsel? And then prior to that, when they're interrogating him, and it's like, and there's uh, that guy at the desk pop. eating the donuts. He's like, hey, you're you're the Calvin kid, aren't you? You know what I didn't realize? The, 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 he's reading a romance novel when uh, I was because he's reading a book when they come in there and look, and he was reading a romance novel. I, was, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I was that was neat, but tinsel yeah, then you, more than just decoration. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Papo Gijo. <sighs> you know, they oh do such God. a good job of like turning all the like Christmas things, giving it like a real oh. purpose more. And um, th- then there's the moment when, um, oh, yeah, when the, the cops, they're having like that meeting and they get the picture and he's like, and he'll probably, probably be, be dressed, dressed up as Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. <laughs> and one guy's like, hey, it's a suit, it's a rental. 
You know, oh my god. So and maybe this is wrong of me, but I always laugh when she's like looking at the lineup of Santas, and I'm like, that Santa is clearly black. I don't know why he's there. Like, yeah, they got, got they Calvin's a everybody white man. they could get. Yeah, but yeah. I will say her character played by Winnie Cruzan. I loved her character though because, it, it, well, both her and Judge Reinhold because they do have those moments during the divorce proceeding scene where they talk about when they stopped believing, and hers was over the that game that board game I forget the name of mystery Poly date or, or mystery date. Yeah, and then. <laughs> Judge Reinhold's Neil was about the the wiener, the wiener whistle, and he was like, "What?" Christmas but he always came? said it with such conviction, like my weenie whistle. Yeah, he's like, "Christmas came, no weenie whistle." And then I can't remember his age, but he was like, "I was five. and she's like, "You were five, Neil, or something like that's that. The funny thing too is like that's uh, where it gets a little unrealistic, right? Because they talk about it like as if Santa Claus should have been real, like. They're adults, right? Like, they know now that Santa Claus is just a, a thing we do to make kids have fun. But in this scene, they talk about it like, Santa really should have been real, but he didn't bring me my gift, and he wasn't. And then he's like, you know, and like you just said, like, he's like, you were five? It's like this crucial moment, but it's like, yeah. I, it's kind of ridiculous, because it's like, ah, it's just Santa, you know, it's the thing we, we make up. I, I love it, though. I mean, I, I love that whole movie all throughout. And when Give Me All Your Loving plays, and they're, like, marching down the, the hallway in the North Pole... I mean, that song is a Christmas song to me because of that. Because that's when I first heard it as a kid. And my dad told me, you know, this is by ZZ Top. And I didn't know who ZZ Top was. And then I'd listen to him and I'm like, oh, cool. But, like, that song became uh, associated forever with You know what else I love? I love when the elves are always doing things for Scott. And, and he shows him the suit and it's like, it's flame retardant. And he's like, that's cool. But what if, what if I fall off a roof? roof. <laughs> asking, asking. <laughs> And then eventually, as it which which deer is it gives him a rope oh, for Christmas? Is it Prancer? And he's like, "Is this in case I fall off a roof?" He's like, "Thank <clears> you, <throat> thank you, yeah, yeah." yeah. Uh, oh, and I so one of the jokes that went over my head as a kid, one of the biggest ones, is like, "Dad, you're flying. It's okay. I'm used to it. I lived through the '60s." Yeah. Oh my in god! In the morning, never I'm getting a get cat a cat scan. scan. Oh, it is my so god. quotable. We could yeah. literally. We, I mean, we, it'd be rough, but we, we we could probably just relay the whole movie from beginning to end. Yeah, it, um, ah, great movie. It's though. also cool how the movie opens up with like, you know, Scott's at his Christmas party and he's a businessman and, and they just did really good at selling these. Do it off, are you doll. Dolly? Yeah, yeah. So, um, great movie. You know, Dad birthed the turkey. Denny's, oh my god, we're always open. Play you milk's know. fine. Can you believe the traffic out here? Yeah, you know. See, and I, as a kid, I was like. There's no traffic. What I, what is he talking same. about? I didn't understand it. He's you completely get he's lying as a kid. Yeah, he's just lying. So it, it just oh, it was a perfect movie for appealing to parents and children, oh, and it was yeah, so grounded. What is it? Uh, Veronica, very nice. She's like in your dreams, and he's like, huh? Slay boy. And then, yeah, and then um, oh my god, there's so many others. Uh, remember the it? deer are following him when him and Charlie are talking. Yeah, and then I'm 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 paraphrasing. I can't remember the whole quote itself, but there's one where I think they're talking about what him and Charlie did or what they're gonna do, and he's like, uh. Take some shots of liquor. Look for women. We read a Christmas story. You know? Yeah. Like he just goes, and then I like I love oh, that's what I was gonna say when I forgot earlier is I love how it appeals to the kids where there's that scene where they're with the principal and Neil's trying to like be all logistical about it. Oh, and then yeah. Tim just starts banging his head against the file cabinet. That's in the Laura second movie. Like, that's in the and, second movie, but that's hilarious. Oh, well, it happens in the first movie. Okay, okay, you're right about the file cabinet, but they do meet with the principal in the first movie. Yeah, and he yep, ends yep. up he ends up mocking Neil or whatever. Like yeah. he starts making. I think he starts acting like he's gonna fall asleep. That's Maybe what that's I what laughed the hardest. Yeah, he's like, and, here and we go. The funny thing is, 
And then Laura's got this look like, I divorced you for this exact reason, you know? (laughs) Great movie, though. I love it. Great movie. I would say if I was going to be, and I know we don't have to do this, but it's just me and Josh's personality, uh, you know, subjective. I'm just getting my feelings about it. It's a 10. I love this movie. It's a 10. Um, But I think it's a solid 8 anyways. I'd probably give this one a nine. I, I just think it's very yeah. like thoroughly a good experience. Has some great. The score is real great, um, especially like even at the end when um, the, everyone in the neighborhood's kind of gathered around their house yeah. and sees the sleigh fly off. I mean, that just makes you cry. The older let Santa go. Yeah. Oh, girl. and you see that some of the kids among them are elves. For me as a child, that did wonders for me. I'm like, oh. My and God. the cool thing is, you go back and rewatch it, and the elves are at the beginning of the movie too. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. man, I didn't even. Think so it of really that. connects. Yeah, but and it's just got great funny bits and and just memorable scenes throughout. You know what's a weird thing that I've never heard anyone say? I think it's literally just me. I don't know why. It's not a criticism against the movie. It's just something to do with my brain and how I processed it. This still happens to this day. Every time I watched it as a kid, I never knew the film was ending when it ended. And even today, even knowing that, even saying that out loud, like it almost feels like. Like I said, I, I can't say this is a proper criticism. It almost feels like the movie never had a final act to me because, like, he's he's trying to escape I know from what you're saying. the 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 what what what's what's Neil's last name? I don't know because oh, I was gonna say I can't remember. They're trying. To, they're not trying to escape. I was gonna say they're they're trying to escape from the Calvin house, but they're not at the Calvin house. Well, they're we'll at say Neil it's Blomkamp. Well, Blomkamp's house. Okay, I think <laughs> Blomkamp. Yeah. But they're trying to. He's trying to get away, and then that's where he ends up leaving with the with the reindeer on the roof, and the cops, yeah. and everyone sees it. And then it just it it pans out from the snow globe, and Charlie's holding it, and he says he misses him, and he shakes it, and then Santa's there, and then they take off, and and then Laura's like, "Not over any seas, Scott. You know, not too yeah. high, and all that." Yeah. And then the movie ends, and as a kid, and even now, I I forget. Like when, if you pause the movie, and it says like we're five minutes from credits. I still think we got 25 minutes to go because I just, I don't know. I never felt it like that was. No, I think that's a really good point because yeah. I, I feel the same way when I watch it. Like each time it gets to that point, I forget that it's it's ending. I forget that that, yeah. that is in essence the whole third act is it doesn't him feel breaking like out of jail act. and everything. It feels like a second. Yeah, because you feel like it's building to something, but then you realize when it's rolling credits that like the building was him breaking out and actually just getting to be free and go deliver presents. Yeah. You know, so it is, yeah. it is weird in that way because. I do specifically remember that shot, yeah, where he's floating above them, and she says what you said, and I'm like, oh man, because you want to see them go back, you want to see him go back to the North yeah. Pole, you know, uh, you want to get a little bit like, more I feel like, like maybe as a closure. Kid, a, There's not a good sense of closure. Delivering the presents. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. Delivering the presents. I agree, yeah. and that's another thing too. My only real like nitpick of the movie, although I can't really count it against this movie, it's more like retroactively, is that there's a brief shot for you guys listening. If you remember when he's in the North Pole and he's talking to Judy, he kind of goes by the blinds and he's kind of like looking out at the North Pole and he's like, is that a polar bear directing traffic down there? And you see kind of this matte, it's a matte painting basically of the yeah. North Pole, but it looks amazing Kind of real. And yeah. that, you know, we didn't get a sequel until 2000 and two? Four? Yeah, 2002. Uh, two. So, eight years later. So, you know, every time I'd watch this movie for the longest time, I would I would use that moment to fill out what I thought it looked like. And then when you get to Santa Claus 2 and everything that comes after, those movies define that what the North Pole looks like. And there's no polar bear directing traffic. Yeah. Maybe, no, that needs to be in like Santa Claus the season, two? season 2. Yeah, um, man. 
But okay, so let's go. So let's go to uh, Santa Claus Two then. So I don't. I don't know if Man. this is what it felt like for you, Josh. I'm guessing it wasn't actually like this, mm-hmm. but for me and my family, it was. Santa Claus Two, with it being such a long gap of time, and 2002 also. Movie theaters. So movie theaters going experiences have changed so much in the time we've been alive, and this was back at a time where not only was it big, to like the only way you're going to see this new movie is if you go to the movie theater. You obviously didn't have streaming services or digital ways. You had to go. Used to feel but like- then also on top of it, you knew that if you didn't see it in the theater, it would be at least one full year before you had the opportunity to see it. Where now it comes out two three months after the theater. Yeah. Um, Yep. So this was a huge deal because it had been so long, and it felt to me, and I know it wasn't this scale, but it felt to me and I think my family, like Santa Claus 2, it was almost like we're going to see the Two Towers, like Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. Like, yes. It yep. felt like a massive event. And when we went there, and it, I, I know now it was less about Santa Claus 2 and more about the fact that it was just the weekend and, and Chris, during Christmas time, we go to see the movie, and it was packed. And I remember, I think, I think I took my friend Tyler with us, Oh, and nice. my dad was so excited to see this movie, and we went and saw it, and we all loved it. It pretty much completely lived up to the hype. I know me and Josh got a couple of nitpicks, but it completely lived up to the hype as a sequel yeah. to the first movie. Uh, Josh, why don't you share your thoughts first on Santa Claus? Yeah, uh, I will say um, the, everything Brian said, I, I, I shared the same sentiments. My family was so excited to go see this movie. I went and saw this with my dad and my oh, – I think I saw two separate showings. I saw two, two separate showings with my family, but – uh, went to the theater to see it and it just, it delivered for me. I was so excited for this movie. I mean, it, back when this was coming out, we hadn't really had a movie series, uh, or a franchise that was about Christmas. Like the closest thing you had were the baller Rankin Bass Christmas specials, but those were like made for TV movies and stuff like that. But this was like when Santa Claus two's coming out and you know, everyone's pretty much back. It's like, holy cow, Like I didn't even know this could be a thing. This is amazing. This is an event-level movie. And for the record, we didn't have movies like Elf or Polar Express yet. Those right, didn't come out. right. We get that the following year, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but real quick, guys, just for a point of reference in YouTube, Brian. So the box office gross in the USA alone for the first Santa Claus was $145.5 million. The second one uh, alone in the U.S., $139.2 million. Yeah, So just I, I a little bit under, which is not bad. Not bad but, at all. But with eight years of time, it was probably a, a less successful endeavor. Yeah, for say, sure. But um, I, I, you know what? This is I go back and forth. It's a toss up all the time, whether or not I love this one over the first one because this one introduces Elizabeth Mitchell as Principal Newman, who ends up becoming Mrs. Claus, and I just feel like the chemistry she has with uh, Tim Allen in this movie is just off the charts. And I mean, to, Tim Allen's so talented. But I honestly think her charisma is just so good. They could have had the most wooden person in there and she would have made him look good. But, I mean, they do so well together. And that was really a make-or-break point of the movie, I think. If that had not yeah. gone well, this movie would not have succeeded. But I'm going to go on a limb couple- here, Josh, and say that Tim yeah. Allen just has good charisma with all women. Any woman he's <laughs> yeah. ever... Actually, you know what? It's true, Ooh, it's true though. Oh. I'm going to take that back because I was going to say... Well, thing, he has such, Jill, Jill, he had such charisma with in Home Improvement. Yep. Yeah. Um, my dad's going to kill me for not knowing the name, but the name of his wife in Last Man Standing, he has great charisma with her. Oh, okay, okay. Um, he has great charisma here with Elizabeth Mitchell. The reason I said I was about to take it back is I, I thought there was, z- I think my dad will actually agree with this, zero charisma between him and his uh, his wife from 
uh, Wild Hogs, which is the, the the chick from Crossing Jordan, the TV show. I don't know her name. Oh, I can't uh, remember. I do remember that yeah. movie, and I liked but, it. But that, yeah. She didn't play as big of a part, but I remember thinking, like, I don't, it's just, I don't believe that you're with her. But yeah, for the most part, Tim has really good chemistry with the women on screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even Jungle to Jungle, the the chick that he was going to marry, that wasn't a very nice lady. He had good charisma with her. She was like a blonde chick, and she was like really obsessed with herself. I don't remember mm-hmm. who her name was. Or no, yeah, that's it. a really good point, though. Like and more often than not, he's he's landing. So, yeah. uh, but I, I mean, this is a pretty crazy movie because it does so much. It takes the lore further. So, whereas the first movie, you guys, has the mystery of the 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 North Pole, and it, but it shows it a little, but it kind of like leaves a lot to the imagination. The second one is the complete inverse. You have. A lot of the North Pole, a lot of scenes there, a big subplot taking place there. But you do switch and you go back to, you know, just Earth, I guess, if, or whatever you want to call it, like regular human life. And yeah. you're telling a story there, too, with the characters. But we get introduced to, like, this, the Christmas, or the, I don't know what to call it now, the Holiday Council, you know, the Molinator, oh, um, yeah. a Cupid. Father Time. Father Time. I forget the gal's name. Um, Mother Nature? Mother, I think you're right. I think it is Mother yeah. Nature. But, um, I'm pre-El Nino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, uh, but Sandman. Everyone, Easter Bunny. Every, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easter Bunny is hilarious. Cupid. Yep. I would have shot myself in the butt, man, a nice lady years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think, man? What, what about you coming out of the movie? Were you to me, like, in to love me, with it this, right away? Yeah, I, I fell in love with it right away. To me, this movie is 95% exactly what I wanted out of a sequel. Uh-huh. And I think Josh is going to agree with me big time on the 5% it failed on. Only only 5% though, you got to understand. 95% exactly what I wanted. The 5% it failed on is this movie didn't do nearly as good of a job as the first as making me believe this is a real, believable, grounded place. Yeah. Because yep. everything that takes place in the North Pole clearly feels like a set that was built in Hollywood. Yeah. It doesn't feel real. Uh, where Santa Claus 1... Even the North Pole felt real. Uh, so that's the only thing that kind of takes me out of the experience a little bit. Just just a tad. It's not enough to complain about, really. Um, but they, well, what they did beautiful. to make the first movie feel so real, it was a little off here. It's beautiful in the first movie because like, it's it's a weird concept to think you're in the North Pole for a good portion yeah. of the first movie. But you don't really see a lot of it because you're in interior sets. So yeah. it has that show don't tell, or at least it leaves a lot to the imagination. Where it's just, yeah, the second one has a lot of set pieces and stuff. And um, yeah, I I completely agree. Like whenever I mean, Tim's that's, playing that's, football with the elves, I'm like, this looks like a set. Well, yeah, and it has this. I mean, maybe I don't know if you agree with me, but it has this kind of like Disney TV kind of feel to it when I see the North Pole. When oh it yeah. Has, when it Absolutely. has moments like him playing football with the kids and stuff, I mean, it's cool. It's trying to establish that like. He's he's been there for a bit now, and he's established himself. And every the the morale is just fantastic, and yep. everything's going great. But um, at the same time, yeah, it's just the set pieces. And plus, another scene that paints it really is not looking real for me is when he has the fight with Toy Santa up on the sleigh as they're trying oh, to leave. Because they have to use a stunt that, double, and you can clearly see it's not him. Well, there's a stunt double, but there's also like all the CG for like the ice cap that they're trying to leave <laughs> yeah, through, and it yeah. just looks very fake. But I think what services the movie so well is we don't spend most of our time there. We spend most of it just regular back home with Charlie and family, and all of the areas he goes to there has ju- it feels just as grounded as the first movie when he's with Neil and Laura in their house and they're they just got McDonald's or whatever that yeah. feels grounded when they're picking out the, the needlepoint sweater when he's going on <laughs> dates 
uh, when he goes on the when he goes on the uh, teacher uh, Christmas party uh, with, oh, with Elizabeth Mitchell. Best all of that. scene when of the movie, going, I think. When he's in the that is that probably is the best scene of the movie. When he's on the sleigh and the snow starts coming down because he's using yes, magic. another great all scene. of it. The school Charlie's school. All of it feels so grounded, oh, just man. like the first movie. You're triggering also, so many great thoughts. Another brilliant idea that they did was because Charlie had got older. I th- I'm guessing this is their logic. If this isn't their logic, then they just accidentally did something genius. Because Charlie's older, they really felt like they needed to facilitate that that placeholder that Charlie had in the first movie. So they bring in Lucy, and Lucy takes that spot. Yes. And Lucy's great. Lucy's adorable. You know? Yeah. So great. There's great so much to say there, Josh. You pick. No, absolutely, dude. You, I mean, you, 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 you uh, got me thinking about so much stuff. So uh, Curtis. I'm talking oh, about yeah. Curtis. Curtis, don't like Curtis too much. You know that the, the desanification okay process has begun. <laughs> when he does that, oh, I do love that. I mean, he's okay, got explain this to me, Josh. I know we're watching a movie with freaking Santa Claus and elves and all this fake shit. Yeah. You know. All right. But every time I watch the movie, this this just just irritates me, and it's so stupid. But you have the opening of the movie, which is such a great opening, where it's like you haven't seen Santa yet, and there's the plane flying over the North Pole. Yeah. And you take us to Elf, Del- Elfcon too, or whatever. But you have. They turn everything off so that they they lose the frequency, but then they hear Curtis listening to music. And this always bugs me because when they find Curtis, you realize he has one of those little dancing Santas you can buy around Christmas, like $20, $25, where you push a button and it plays a song. Well, apparently, this little dancing Santa is playing a full song so loud that they can hear it from a plane. And also, when when they come up to Curtis, the entire room that Curtis is in is like illuminated by almost like surround sound from this, and it's just one of the little toys. There's no, yeah. there's no speakers hooked up to this thing. There's no Bluetooth. It's just a toy. <laughs> How is it so loud? <laughs> yeah. That's bothered. a good question. That's a good question. I never really put that much thought into that part right there. And then, and then, and then Tim's like, you know what we need to get you for Christmas this year? Some nice Christmas headphones or whatever, something like yeah. that. Yeah, no. <laughs> headset. Oh, uh, a lot of great, a lot of great things from this. Uh, Brian has mentioned off air that his dad does not like the Molly Shannon scene where she shows up and sings, uh, sings to him on his first date when Scott goes on a on a date. I, I, I do feel like some Christmas. In the theater, like, my dad hated it. First and then she's like, "You didn't like it," and he's like, "It kind of scared me a bit." <laughs> Every time his reaction to that, I mean, it's just great body language acting in that moment. Um, and she owned that scene. I mean, she's just, I, sometimes I forget that she's in the movie. Other times I forget that she's not in any more scenes, but she really makes that scene her own. But I think what's great, you pointed it out. I think what makes this movie is, is really down to, uh, Scott and, and principal Newman, uh, Carol, uh, because every, so guys, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm sure most of you guys listening, if you, if you're still with us have, but, Throughout the movie, when he goes on to, you know, back home, basically, he's told that he's got a limited use of his magic that he can use. And so he has to try to fall in love with somebody. I love and get Bernard them. says, if the magic meter fail, falls too low, you won't be able to return home. It reminds me of like a video game, like telling you, like, don't let your <laughs> yeah, health get too low or you'll die. Yeah, you're leaving, Sorry, you're leaving the, you. no, you're good. You're leaving the tutorial area, so they get, they're giving yeah. you that, like, warning. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But yeah, so he... He's got to try to make. Uh, uh, he's got to meet a woman. He's got to fall in love, and he's got to also oh, propose. And and yeah, he's got such a short amount of time. Well, he goes on one bad date, and he's like, "Oh, this is going to be harder than I thought." See but in then, about eight minutes. But then his son Charlie is going through 
uh, a lot of rough times because he doesn't have his dad around. So he's rebelling. He's in that teenager phase of his life. He he's got a girlfriend. A girl. Yeah, so he is. Th- and, th- and we get to the scene at some point in this movie when, yeah, like Brian uh, already mentioned, that he's sitting down with Principal Newman and Neil and uh, I'm forgetting her name again. It's played by Winnie Cruzen. I-, I forget the gal's name. Oh, Laura? Yeah, Laura. Uh, but um, oh, I love her. But this is where he's like banging his head because Neil's like, if I can give a you know a perspective you know, on this or whatever. He's like, I'm kind of a therapist or whatever, a psychologist or whatever. And that's when immediately, as soon as he starts talking, Tim Allen's banging his head. It's one of the best comedic bits in that movie. And I laugh every time. But all the what I wanted to say was all the scenes. And then he eat. talks up Char- Charlie's bad behavior to there not being enough Christmas spirit, and he throws money on her desk. He's like, "Buy yourself a Christmas carol." Oh, dude! And there's a yes, right. and there's another scene. A wreath, with him. Christmas wreath. There's another scene that where he's talking to her, and he starts to fire back, and she goes, "Oh, if you came for a battle of wits, you are un or what is it? You are unarmed yeah. or unprepared or something like that." And I, I love was like, the intro. Ooh. The intro to her character is that kid skating through the hallway, and she's like. Look into my eyes. What do you see? And he's like, it's dark and it's it's cold. <laughs> Teenage me that was seeing that scene, that was an awakening yeah. for me. That was I was like, whew, Principal Newman. But uh, <laughs> no, I think what, what makes the movie, honestly, is every every moment that he uses his magic with her. Like the first time he uses it to remember a girl's name right in yep. front of her when um, uh, Charlie's doing community service. Then there's like the second time um, when they're doing the little sleigh ride to the Christmas party. And then it's at the Christmas party when he like gets everyone's gifts that they've ever that they wanted but never got, yep. and then for hers in like every one of those Welcome moments. Robots. Yeah. Oh God. He's like, look at yeah, the party's dead, and she's like, I am so sorry, I invited you to this, and he's like, no, it's fun. Look, that guy moved. <laughs> I think Carol's oh, concerned about the caroling or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> those so presents good. are for the carolers. Yeah. She thinks they're for the carolers. The presents. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Oh God. And she's sweating bullets, but uh, I love that movie. Um, fake Santa we haven't even talked about is hilarious. Uh, he's like he's like Hitler by the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, which is terrible. But um, I think that's where it gets a little. That whole subplot. Or Coco. It's, yeah, it's it's interesting because as I've gotten older, I like that subplot less. But there's bits in it True. that I absolutely love, and they're True. quotable. Like everything he's that he says. Naked. Yeah, yeah, everything that he says is hilarious to me. But the whole concept of like these elves, you, you got ELFS or whatever. Where are they trying to defend against these just walking these machines? These are like nine hundred year old elves, and they don't understand that that's a fake toy Santa. Yeah, well, then you got. I the, like when Bernard the, turns him in. He's like, he's not the real Santa. He's a toy, and he's got a plastic tushy. Yeah. Even, and then he grabs yeah, Bernard's his butt a little off in this too. Bernard's a little different in <laughs> this, but uh, I still Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like that that's what I'm talking about. I mean you're you're kinda hitting on it now is like there's so many more moments in this movie than the first one that mm-hmm. take you out of the experience of believing that it's really happening. Like you could convince me Santa Claus one is like a true story in a Santa sense. I know that's a little bit of a stretch, but the second movie I'm like, all right, this is a movie. You know, there's a plastic right. Santa who's Hitler. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and just to add to a couple more things before we move on to the third one, um, yeah, Lucy is fantastic as this in this movie. Um, just because, yeah, like Brian said perfectly, she replaces essentially like Charlie Slot as that kind of innocent kid that like just is like really really good natured, but also kind of like whimsical and like uh, very curious about what's going on. Um, so that was that was a really great dynamic. Whenever she was uh, interacting with Charlie or Scott himself and stuff like that, she's like Scott. Or Uncle Scott, are you Santa Claus? You know, and it's it's so adorable. And um, and that's when, when Tim tells her about how the how the reindeer are dumb, and the reindeer looks at him like I'm gonna I'm gonna crash your sleigh tonight, buddy. Yeah, and oh my gosh, 
Chet, oh my gosh, you know, Chet did a no no. <laughs> like, I love, I love, Chet, <laughs> you know, dude, I can't believe, and I think I've said this, I know I've said this to you, I don't know if it was on the podcast, but it blows my mind how much crossover Tim has because now bear with me, everyone listening, I just think this is so unique. Years prior, okay, well, how do I want to start this? So there's a moment where Tim is on Chet the reindeer and he says, and Chet keeps talking and he says, cut the chit chat, Chet. Yeah. Okay. But get this. Years earlier, in an episode of Home Improvement, in the same room with the guy who plays the Molinator, he yeah. says, cut yeah, the, the chit chat, Chet. It's amazing. I got to like, play. This is one of my favorite scenes. It's like 30 seconds. I got to play this real quick. This one, Comet ate all the food. Comet. Look at me. Look at me. Comet. Every sound for the, <laughs> the reindeer. You're not supposed to eat sugar. It's bad for you. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't eat this? <laughs> I'm not going to play the whole thing, but that's pretty much it. But when it gets to it gets to the buildup where he farts, and like, that's such lowbrow humor that I shouldn't yep. laugh at that. But at the same time, it still gets me every time. Because at one point, I think... There's a bit where Tim Allen tries to go in like push him, and it yeah. just he's not budging, and it's just like you fat piece of shit, you ate all that, <laughs> yeah, you ate all that candy. It's just so yeah. like uh, it's funnier now than it was when it was when I was younger. But that movie's just so much fun, you know. Like yeah, it does it does reveal more, and it like kind of gives some magicalness away, I guess. But like what it does with his characters is awesome, and Elizabeth Mitchell gets to be that like Scott Calvin of that movie where she's like a little bit more like. Yeah. Um, cynical, and she's uh, kind of like yep. on her lonesome, and then kinda she kind of the comes same to the, bits of the first movie. It does, way. and I think that's what makes it work because it does it in a different I like way. How, and then it ends but, has yeah. that good scene with the end with like you know him saying to um, he's trying to tell Elizabeth Mitchell like basically I have to marry you now or I won't be saying oh, yeah, yeah. And then the and then Judy, the replacement Judy, it's a different actress, which you can understand. Eight years have passed. She uh, she's telling him how to what to say, and she starts. Oh, yeah. She starts saying, "You've known you me your whole life." Also, you say this happened also fast, but I've known you my whole life. And, she, yeah. and then she keeps going, and Scott's like, "I, I got it from here." And, yeah. and, the, and the, then basically the she's like, "Yeah, I'll marry you." And what's funny is, and we'll get to this, but in the fall, and you know, eventually in the in the Santa Claus TV series that just came out, you know, she, she Elizabeth Mitchell m- mentioned she's like, "Well, you didn't tell me you were going to gain two hundred pounds the moment I agreed to marry you." I know I was kind of messed whatever. up, but I get it at the same time. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but um, I will say, okay, just closing thoughts real yeah, quick. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I love that movie. Um, though any any scene with the council members has aged great. I think the humor is really funny, and the Molinator. Every time that guy he shows up like two different parts near the end, yeah. and does the most heroic stuff. I hear the Avengers music every time I see the Molinator show up. <laughs> There's a scene where they thank him, and he's like he like lifts his arms up like a Superman and just like sails off. And it is Somebody like edit him into the Avengers, dude. I mean, someone edit that scene and put that Avengers theme, the portal yeah. scene, the boom boom. Did you do the scene where like it circles around all the Avengers in the first movie, but he's just standing there next to Captain America, dude? If someone photo shops him flying into that Avengers scene. I will I will poop my <laughs> or, or he could be have him coming down the hill with Team Osiris in the opening of the Halo Five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that man would, that would that be scene, you know Halo Five started with characters I don't even know, but once they added the Molinator, I, I was familiar. You know? <laughs> That's the DLC we need to day one. DLC, Ooh, Molinator that DLC. The game at launch. But uh great <laughs> yeah. movie. Uh th- by the way, Molinator this one... came six years after launch. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, now the game really feels like it's alive. Um, tomato score is rotten at 56% with an audience score of 42. Brian, what do we give yeah. that out of 10 subjectively? Well, well, subject, subjectively, once again, it's a 10. Cineclass 1 and 2 are 10s for me. They're like my top yep. Christ, some of my top yep. Christmas movies. But objectively, I would say the second one, not quite as good. A little more issues. I'd give it a 7 out of 10 if I was going to be a critic about it. You yeah, know. I'm pretty close. I think, uh, I think. Oh, what did I give the first one? A 9 out of yeah. 10, objectively. So I would probably give this one, I'm going to say 6, which sounds really harsh. Ooh, but I okay. I mean, I, I love it. I think it is like a 7, though. I think I'm just yeah. too harsh on my ratings often. But it, it's, it's it a It doesn't seven. feel rotten to me, that's for sure. No, set, definitely yeah. not. No, because it's, it's, it's a story about characters, and it just takes the what worked about the first movie and flips it on its yep. head. Like, it just reverses everything. But what it I doesn't love, do, like, it doesn't I, do that. This is on topic, believe it or yeah. not. But I was watching an interview with Brendan Fraser recently, mm-hmm. and they were asking him about the Mummy movies, and it got to the Mummy Returns, the second Mummy. And I, I've been somebody who always loved Mummy one and two, didn't care about three, obviously. Yeah. So. And, but to me, Brendan Fraser said exactly what I've always thought. He said, he said basically with the Mummy Returns, we just saw what everyone liked about the first movie, and we just kind of did it all over again. We just yep. we just gave them more of the same. And yeah. I think, I mean, to a lesser extent, because there was eight years of, of, of distance between the two, but I feel like that's what Santa Claus 2 kind of was. It was more of the same, and we, if you like the first, you're going to like the second. Now, getting to the third. Uh, Dad, if you're listening, I, we, I, I don't <laughs> want to crap on something you love, but me and Josh aren't big fans of Santa Claus 3. Uh, we mean no hate. It's all, all peace and love here. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying a couple of the things I love about Santa Claus 3. Okay. Okay. Uh, Best part of this movie to me is, because I thought it was so cool even when I saw it the first time, is when uh, they're fighting over the snow globe, uh, him and, and Jack Frost, Yeah, and they go back in time, in a sense, to when the Santa fell off the roof in the first movie, and they reuse the footage of the first film, Yeah, and basically they fight over the snow globe, and then Jack Frost gets it, and then you get to see what Scott's life would have looked like. Because if you remember in Santa Claus 1... Uh, Scott Calvin's kind of a dick, and he's got no hope for. Um, a he's a workaholic. He's, just he's a workaholic, and yeah, he's self-absorbed. Uh, so you get to see what his life would have looked like had he not become Santa. You get to see him like he lives up like a, in a penthouse, and he's like a businessman, and he goes to visit Laura, and she doesn't want to see him. Her and Neil are, have have divorced as well because. Uh, the inf- there's no influence from Scott like he would have had if he was Santa. Yeah, like you know, Charlie just drove him apart. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and Lucy's kind a of really a spoiled bleak. brat, even. Yeah, it's just a bleak, um, yeah. a bleak direction if he hadn't become Santa. And I think that repurposes the first two movies. It makes you look at them even fonder. Like, look, look how great becoming Santa was. Uh, there's also a line that I think Santa Claus Two, where Laura says, "Becoming Santa was the best thing that ever happened for you," and you get to see that really be true by Santa Claus Three. So I love that scene uh, oh, a lot. Totally reminds me of something. Th- I'm trying to think if there's any other scene I love in Santa Claus. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. I'll let you. You really got to dig for it on with this one. But uh, what's interesting is that at the very end of the second movie, if you guys remember, there's like two post-credit scenes, and there's one in particular where there's little like plastic Santa. They desantification or whatever. They put him back in, and he becomes like a little like one of those rocking Santas, and he's trying to get someone's attention. But just preceding that is a part where we get to see uh, Carol caked up, or Elizabeth Mitchell caked up in like Mrs. Claus makeup, made to look dancing, and she's made to look heavier. But when we get to the third movie, they completely scrap that, and they're like, "We're not going to have her gain two hundred pounds like Scott did." 
she's going to be like looking normal except she's the actress pregnant. Might, but, Elizabeth might have been like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, they they definitely kind of changed that, which you don't think about. It. It's not a problem, but I do forget that sometimes because when I saw Santa Claus two, I thought, oh. Oh, I hope they do a third one because she's going to, you know, like she'll look a lot like him. It'll be cool she'll to see cookies, where they're at. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say going into this, um, I okay, guys, there's been moments in my life where I have been hyped as all get out. I'm thinking uh, like Avatar Way of Water, Halo 3, Cyberpunk 2077, um, just to name a couple examples. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Santa Claus 3 was up there in terms of things that I've been like insanely out of my mind hyped about. And you, some of you guys might be like, this is ridiculous, Santa Claus 3. But, you know, if you guys have been listening long enough, these these movies First are two like, so good. Yeah, it's so good and, and so integral in our family's like Christmas experience. Yeah. So I was incredibly excited. I was also a huge fan of Jack. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll say Jack Frost growing up. <laughs> Martin Short. Growing yeah. up, I Plus, loved if you've him. seen Jungle the Jungle, you loved Jungle the Jungle. Two together on I, Captain Ron, I mean, he was in so many movies. I loved him in, and it just seemed like the perfect combination. Like these two guys get on well; they're both hilarious. And he's playing Jack Frost; he's going to be the villain. I'm like, there's no way they can go wrong with this one. Yeah, and it is sitting rotten at seventeen percent with an audience score of thirty nine percent. The others made uh, about roughly close to 150 each. At the box office, this sits at $84.5 million, so it did not do well. The hardest thing about this movie is that from the get-go, the tone is like completely off because it's established that uh, Mrs. Claus is like depressed because Scott is busy being Santa, and he has no time to really spend with her or just to like sort of enjoy her and being pregnant. And she's resentful around because she has to be around little people only, which kind of takes yeah. away from the spirit of the movie. A bit. And it's it, it really yeah, it kind of hurts the movie a bit because you you don't get any sense of there being a joy. It's almost like you go from like them being married to you jumping into this movie and like she's unhappy in the marriage and it's the like the Canada thing's unbelievable. Oh my god, that's one of the worst parts. Yeah, the fact that they so she's so depressed. Scott's like, "What do I do?" Then he's like, you know what? I'm going to bring, you know, she's missing her family, people that aren't little. So I'm going to bring, um, I'm going to bring them. So she, he get, he goes and gets father time and has them basically, he knocks them out, right? Knocks the parents yeah. out. Uh, and then they bring them all the way out and they construct everything. They completely change the North Pole so that it looks like Canada. And they keep saying, A, which I've been yeah. to Canada and people do actually say that. And it is hilarious and charming. But it was like it. It was so at this point. It was so, so much a caricature of itself for you guys who have watched it, the it, office. It removed itself from reality so much. I didn't believe it was a grounded experience anymore. Exactly yeah. for you guys who have watched the office. I equate it to like Kevin in later seasons when he first started out. He's not. He's just. He's like a little bit like slower speaking, but he's not dumb. But then later seasons, they kind of make him seem like he's almost mentally challenged, and they turn it into yeah. like a running joke. And this by the by the third movie, it's, a it's good like comparison. yeah, it, it's it's just like a joke of itself, and there's no humor. I mean, there's a couple standouts though. Like I love. Um, I think it's hilarious how Jack Frost gets all hot and bothered when Elizabeth Mitchell's uh, Carol's mom. Sings, you know, Jack Frost nipping at you. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I'll do it again, baby. You know, and then when you, yeah, are in that alternate timeline, which is a great point. I think that is, that is, it, it stands out because when I, when I don't think of the movie, when I haven't seen it for a while, I kind of forget that whole sequence that's in there. Hmm. But it like, that really does stand out. But one of the parts that I love is when Scott goes to the alt universe, he goes to the North Pole. The North Pole has been completely commercialized. 
Everyone in the world can come there now. They know the location. It is, uh, I don't know. It's like it's like Disneyland, basically. He's turned it into yeah. a, a, a theme attraction. Yeah. And you can pay to get on the nice list. You can pay to win at the North Pole. And there's a shot. Santa when Claus he, 3 predicted gaming. Yeah, right. There's a shot when he first sees, uh, when Scott first sees Jack Frost as Santa Claus. And it is the most horrifying look that I've ever seen in a PG yep. family Christmas movie. And it's he's got this shit-eating grin on his face, and it makes me number. laugh. It, it makes me laugh every single time. Like, that part genuinely makes me laugh. But the rest of it, I'm like, oh, this yeah. is rough. But Lucy in this, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's another thing, too. Her parents get frozen, which it, it seems so silly. And, like, when they get to the North Pole, like they're that. like, oh, I'm going to go make these toys. And uh, they're not even, like, being, like, themselves. I don't, I don't like that. I also hate – I also, I, I know – Somebody's gonna say you don't have a heart, Brian, but I don't like the Lucy warm hugs bit. I oh, I know that I, that didn't yeah. do it for me. Like they took also again, when they Martin took Short cute- loses his Jack Frost look. He looks like a freaking dork beyond belief. <laughs> well, I it's think insane. it's everything. Like Lucy, they take and they they take the cuteness factor, the wholesomeness that was there organically in the second movie, and yeah. then they try to like force it in this one, and that's yeah. why I just and that goes for everything. None of it really works. And it, everything on paper should have worked, but you don't spend a whole lot of time on like Earth and what you or not Earth. What am I saying? Just in in regular like real life, you, you don't spend a lot of time there like the first two did. And what you do spend is like in an alternate reality, so it doesn't really have a good balance. And the North Pole, it it's already. It also looks like they just like they saved money by reusing the set, which they did. Which and I'm not saying they shouldn't reuse the set, but like. Right. So much of the well, movie felt like, hey, we can save money if we do. We have the movie take place in the set that we already right. have. And there's the big elephant in the room. Not only is Bernard not anywhere in this movie, but they do not reference him at all. In fact, they reference that Curtis has become the head elf. And it's like, yeah. so you know, and he was doing, I think, uh, I forget the guy's name right now, but he was doing a show at the time. So it makes sense. He probably couldn't. He just couldn't do it. Numbers? But, numbers, I think you're right. Yeah. David Crummels, I think. Um, but... Um, he, they don't even reference him See, no or Bernard, what he's that's doing, yeah. and that is real weird to me that you don't even like, like it's not like they they had some falling out or something like that. You think if they did that, then the director or writer might be like, screw that person, we're not we're gonna act like they never existed. But there's none of that. They just don't reference him or say that he's off doing something, and it's weird. It makes it really weird. It yeah. that whole third movie sometimes I know it's not, but it just feels like some weird alternate movie. Like I'm not saying like a Plan B movie. Like I joke when about. When I no, when I go to watch Santa Claus every year, I'm not saying it to be a dick. I literally just in my head, I just I think of it ending at two. Like I don't ever, I don't ever think about three really. I just think yep. Santa Claus one and two. Um, but Josh, we got yeah. you know we're we're coming up on an hour here. You want to oh go yeah this? yeah. What's I'll our what's our final, final scores? Final I'll, I'll just say yeah. final thoughts for for Santa Claus three. Um, okay. Every time I go into this movie, if you guys are listening to the patron, you've already heard me say this. But every time I go, I, I'm watching these movies, and I get to the third one, I think you know there's may, maybe there'll be something new I can appreciate. Nope, it's a piece of shit. It, this movie sucks. <laughs> And I mean, if, if like my, my dad enjoys it, your dad enjoys it. And that's awesome. Like I, I still like watching it cause I still get to live in that world more, but it's, it's just, it's rough. It's rough. But, um, final score for me subjectively, uh, man, this is rough. <laughs> this is rough. What would you, I got to think for a moment, man. What would okay, you give Subjectively it? for me. So five is an it average is viewing low. experience. Yeah. My subject is a three. 
because I don't even like viewing it like an average movie. Like I don't, I don't enjoy. I was sitting at a two, so I will, man, and I might, I'm gonna have to give it a one. Actually, I gotta give it a one. It's rough for your subjective. Yeah, it's real rough. Yeah, like I just don't. I was gonna say the Rotten Tomatoes score for me is it's accurate. I would say it's, I'd say it's about a, a two out of ten movie. I mean, roughly. Yeah, I'm gonna give it that too. I'm gonna give it one out of ten subjectively, two out of ten. It just lacks the heart and the effort. It seems unneeded. Um, it's just it's cringe a lot. The story's not good. The it's just it's got it's, so it's many uninspired problems. and it's on and, and it's it a is. shame. It's a shame. It seems like they said, you know what? We brought everyone back for Santa Claus two in two thousand two. We got the set. We got the actors still. We can make a follow up. Make make it a little cheaper. We can we can get more money out of this. I think the worst thing it does, the biggest sin it commits, is that it just tries to repeat the villain trope established in the second one. The first movie, it's just about him becoming yeah. Santa Claus. The second one, it's yeah. got like this polar opposite version of him. The third one, it's like, well, we're gonna have another villain that wants and, to be Santa Claus. And the Santa Clauses is doing that a little better, I think. I would agree with that. The show. So let's yeah. move on to that. Let's move on to the yeah. show, Josh. Yeah. Uh, for the record, Josh, you're caught up, aren't you? Uh, I have not watched the, the final episode. Which I, okay. I wanted to. I, the last is, episode I saw was just where he became not Santa again. So I'm two or three episodes behind. Okay. Okay. Um, so neither um, one of us have technically finished this yet. <laughs> yeah. That's but okay. At least we're on the same page. There. Initial thoughts for me were, and I'm once again I'm not saying this to be a dick. Initial thoughts for me were I like this better than Santa Claus Three. I don't think it's come anywhere near the heights of the first two movies, but I'm liking it more than the third movie. I like how. It's giving little flashbacks to the first couple movies. Yeah. It's giving little references to the first few movies. Um, I like that Elizabeth Mitchell's back once again. Oh yeah, I like Ugh, that. It's, God, she's aged great. I like. <laughs> I like this. You. That's funny. You remind me of my grandpa because we were at Christmas and we were watching this. And my and the moment that she lets her hair down and she starts wearing this dress that's a little skimpier shows some cleavage. My set. My like eighty year old grandpa from the back of the room in front of everyone goes. Man, letting her hair down really did a lot for her, didn't it? Like, Grandpa, you just you're just undressing her with that horn dog. That horn dog, yeah. Um, but uh, and and then like you know you get to see Scott's kids. You get to see like uh, oh what would it look like if he retired? Um, there's a couple other things that uh, are good that I've kind of forgotten already. I know I haven't seen the episode yet, but my dad told me about how like you get to see. Uh, you get to meet the Santa that fell off the roof and find out that, mm-hmm. you know, he fell off the roof intentionally. He didn't like that wasn't an accident. Right. Like, he accidentally died. So it's got these cool things that follow up on the prior movies. I think the show, if you look at the direction of the movies where you went from one, which is this grounded movie, to eight years later to two, or is less grounded but still good, three where it really drops off a cliff. I think the direction of the movies was really painting a picture that, hey, if you're going to continue this, TV show is the right way to go because it was already it almost seemed like a TV show by the third movie. Yeah. So this is a good direction for it. I think with the bar being so low with three, the show is as good as a as a thing to watch around Christmas time. It's got it's got approved for a second season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this season and I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch every season every year. Even yep. if the show got as bad as Santa Claus three to me, I'd still want <laughs> to watch be it because it's just yeah. it's just there, right? So it's more Tim Allen as Santa. That's great. Uh, the show's not. I wouldn't say it's good, but I wouldn't say it's like bad. I'm glad it exists. 
Yeah. That's kind of what I have to say, Josh. Over to you. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's rotten at 55%. Again, it's way better than the 17 that 3 has, and the audience True. score is 63. So, I mean, it's yeah. you know it's different. That it's a television accurate. show, six episodes, um, and it's still brand new, so it's you know going to take time to gestate for people. But um, yeah. I'm pretty much the same with Brian, guys. Um, I went into the show very excited just because it was existing, you know, and all these different franchises, legacy sequels and things that we get. I was like, man, I would love that. I'd love to get another Santa Claus, like one more shot. And whatever comes next, it will retroactively let me enjoy the third one because I know that there's something that comes after. Uh, But um, at first, uh, the first couple episodes, I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is awful because the kids are, I mean, the kids are aged up. Like Buddy, who's a baby in in the third movie at the end, is is aged up and then it has his real life daughter playing uh his new you know, their daughter in this one and at first i was fine with that but i was also but it, it goes in a weird place the north pole looks completely different because it's mostly interior shots which i mean i commend them for in some ways but but at the same time that everything looks different there's no reference to curtis we don't get any reference to bernard until the fourth episode charlie only gets charlie, one weird. episode yeah um wendy Cruson. Um, and Judge Reinhold are not even in the show at all, unless they've been in the finale, but I didn't hear anything about that. Um, so, I, I mean, they, they do reference things from each of the three movies. He does try to, like, acknowledge some plot holes. Um, but it, it's it's in a weird place. But uh, it, it was weird for me because I thought this was a one-and-done thing. I thought this was, like, the equivalent of what Star Wars did with Kenobi. Six episodes, open and shut. Yeah. Here's a story. Enjoy it. But then they just announced the other day the second season, like Brian said, and now I feel like I can completely love this because See, Josh, I haven't it, finished it, but do you know? Do you know for sure? Will he still be Santa in the next season? I, I don't know. know, but I got to imagine he would be because if you're going to do a second season, I'm not saying I. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. When it, when this show was being promoted initially, I thought he's going to pass the torch, and then it's it might continue with somebody else. They could very well do that still, but man, I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. I, I, I almost, hmm. I'm, I'm almost, I'm gonna Wikipedia this real quick. I feel like but, if there's um, no Tim, I'm kind of out. Yeah, and I get that because I Tim I really is the need heart him. and soul of Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I, I need him there, but um, but at the same time, um, it's it's still a fun show. It, it kind of grew on me a bit. Uh, he's got this sidekick named Noel that I really um came to like at first. Jordan like, Peele, you were a kid. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Man, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't spoil it. Um, it just says a Christmas two remembers the name of the episode. But I guess we're gonna find out. But um, yeah, you know what? Uh, it's 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 fun. You know, knowing that it gets a second season, I'm happy. And hopefully, Tim Allen's there. That's my assumption. But if I'm wrong, oh man, it just I, I just I can't imagine. Well, here's the thing: as it gets, if you're like in episode three, as it gets into episode four and five, um, I forget the new guy, but dude, he becomes an awful person. Like I, I've I almost heard. don't see. I, I'm sure it happens, but I don't see how they could not only redeem his character in the finale, but also have him take over. Like, because people have not had enough time to like like this guy, yeah, to buy into that. So I don't know. I, I but uh, my score overall for that one, uh, four out of ten subjectively, objectively, um, probably a three. Three out of okay. ten. So I'm decently higher than Josh. I would say, enjoyment-wise, subjectively, I'd give it a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying it. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing it. Um, the fifth episode is great. Best episode of the show so no. far. Um, they do explain. Bernard shows up. They do explain where he was. Although it's a throwaway line, it's a little silly, but they mention that. And like you know, Brian already mentioned, um, you got to see all the different Santa Clauses 
that have been mm-hmm. around and you get to see the one that fell off the roof and they kind of they help retroactively enhance that experience in the first movie which i'm a, i approve of so it was I'd still say fun. objectively objectively i give it a five out of ten it feels to me like a very by the numbers average straight to streaming service show so i'd say it's a five out of ten so you so if you go from i you know i gave you know six and five for this i gave santa claus three a uh, a three and a two, so mm-hmm. it's a it's an up it's an upgrade from there for sure. Think so I'm it, glad it's back. Uh, me too. I'm overall I'm glad it's back. It just feels a little bit rushed of a story, even though it's and six it's episodes over two hours. Elements. Yeah, even my dad said he doesn't like the the weird dance numbers they go into. Yeah, that, that that's a little little off, but um, yeah, it just it just feels a little rushed to me, and it, like the storyline. So it was hard to buy into. Like right away, he's unhappy as Santa Claus, and he's like in an identity crisis and he's having like a midlife crisis for Santa basically. And he wants to yeah. retire. And, um, so it's, it's a little weird, but, um, I think it's, I think it can only go up from here. I Although also I said really that with Santa like, Claus three. I, I will say now I do like it more than Santa Claus three overall. I do. Okay. I thought you might come around. Yeah. I really, uh, shook my head. I, I, I was so, I thought it was so cringe when it's like the first episode and, and Tim's son, or well, Scott's son has the Oculus Rift type thing on. Oh yeah, and he's like, his mom comes in the room, and now luckily they follow up on this in a way that makes it a little bit better. But his mom comes in the room, and he's like, whoa, 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 are you real or is this virtual reality? Almost making like this g- giant joke at like nerdy kids who'd never leave their bedroom. Yeah, but it redeems itself a little because two episodes later, you find out that. He goes into the Oculus Rift type thing to see what it'd be like if he lived a normal life, with, with not with elves and in Santa's workshop, which makes it seem less cringy. But I'm like, that's such a that's such a trope of like not understanding something. If you're like, oh, virtual reality means I can't tell what's real and what's not. No, yeah, just it was silly. The, and Brian, there are two lost references in that show that was awesome. Oh, cool! Like there's literally like like at one point there uh, when they get when they he's done being Santa Claus and they go up to just regular living in the real world. And there's a part where they're trying to come up with their backstory about like where they've been. Cause the kids got to go to school and everything. And they're like ruling out things and they rule out. He's like, yeah, being on an Island, not a good idea, you know? And, and then there's another point in the finale, which I haven't gotten to, but I've seen on Twitter where it's like the smoke cloud shows up and she's like, where have I seen that before? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was like, that That's was cool. cool. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad it's there. I'm glad we're getting a season two. Okay, Judge, just, this this means nothing, but just for funsies, before we get out of here, final verdict for the Santa Claus franchise as a whole, subjective and objective. Who? Objectively, a 6 out of 10, because I think 3 and yep. the Santa Clauses weigh it down a little bit. But yep. there's more to come. I'm happy it's ongoing as of right now, so I'm grateful. objective? Yes, objective. Okay, I agree with you 100%. 6 out of 10. Subjectively... I gotta give it like a nine out of ten, guys. At least I want to give it a ten out of ten. But honestly, it's just like it's just I knowing agree. it's no, like it's kind of an up and down slope with three. It, it kind of like hits rock bottom and then it starts to it starts to climb a little bit with Santa Claus. Dude, that's but, the thing that matters, yeah. right? If you're listening, Dad. So you know, objectively, we think the series is like a, a six, but we're subjectively up there at the nine. So what really we're trying to say is, is we just like being in this world and getting to see Tim as Santa. It's just a fun time. Oh, my gosh. It. it is so wholesome, man. And it, it puts me in the Christmas spirit every time, especially with the first two movies. 
Yeah. You know, I just, it, it what oh, it's done for my oh, family. Oh, it was so cool in the show how they brought back the girl who gave him skim milk. I loved that. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, yeah. To me, that was like a, a, one of those good moments like Santa Claus 3 with him seeing what would happen if he wasn't Santa anymore. I love seeing that throwback, you know? Because yeah. the thing is, too, is like when you see the throwback, it shows you the scene from Santa Claus 1 where she he gets the skim milk and it just kind of ties it together. So. Right. Yeah, it's got some cool stuff. It does. It, and that was a great like legacy way of like, hey, remember this? You know, and and stuff yep. like that. It was cool to see, and like the fact that uh, yeah, it's Simon. I forget his last name, but his his initials are also SC. Some clever use yeah. of the characters yeah. there. But uh, you know, I just love these movies. These uh, mean a lot to my family, and um, you know, we watch them just about every year, and uh, I, I I get so much out of it. You know, the songs. The older I get, the the more some of the songs in the first movie, especially, get me more emotional. The second movie. Uh, the part of me that loves rom-coms um, falls in love with that whole dynamic with Liz Mitchell yeah. throughout that. And there's a moment even in there when she's like flirting with him back in her house and she like kind of like slides over onto her couch. Like she falls really onto flirty. her couch. And I'm like, yeah, she's real flirting. I'm like, oh, baby. Um, it's They're just so much fun, you know, and they're so endearing. And I think the the first two especially, again, I'm not hating on, I'm not hating on Three or Santa Clauses, but they really capture the essence of like, what makes you know Christmas so magical and special, and like and how you just okay that you change it went, your mood change. I think it's okay that they went downhill later because you look at like everyone knows Home Alone one and two are classics, but there's a Home Alone three, four, and five. You know, it's, I thought Home Sweet Home Alone that came out last year was actually pretty solid, but I've only seen that. three in that six? one. Damn. Yeah, it's the newest one. I don't know. I think there's like yeah, I think yeah, there's six, three, I think four, there is five. I think. Five. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't okay. seen four and five, but but yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if, if the, the other ones aren't as good. But uh, no. it's it's just we just we just love them. And it, no. the thing is, these movies don't serve us to be a freaking Dune or a Blade Runner or a Lord of the Rings. You know, they're they're here for fun Christmas. Spirit. I care about the the lore as much as I care about that stuff, even though that's oh, on yeah? a completely different <laughs> level. But every time. You know, you get to the second movie and the third movie, and they bring up the clauses, and you're like, "Oh, what is it going to be this time? What else is on that card?" You know, and yeah. I love the characters. It makes me excited for the holidays. I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday of the year, and uh, this is always a big part of it ever since 1994. And uh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that I'm sitting here recording with Brian. Uh, that this is like an ongoing thing as of right now. Because like two years ago, I'm sure I haven't listened, but maybe if you go back and listen to some of our other Christmas episodes, maybe we said, oh, if they ever make a fourth movie, you know, I'm sure yeah. we might have said something like that. Maybe. But, uh, I, this literally is synonymous with Christmas, these movies, you know, the first two in particular. So uh, yeah. they're up there for me, my favorite. I mean, my favorite Christmas movie is probably the Santa Claus, but I alternate between that and the second one. Mine is Jingle All the Way, but we'll have to save that for another episode. Real quick question. I was going to ask you about that. You said earlier that you did not, you were like two when this, when the first one came out in 94, because you were born in 92. So did you get, do you remember seeing Jingle All the Way first, since that's your favorite, or do you remember seeing Santa Claus first? Uh, We saw Santa Claus first. I don't know how long it was after the release of Jingle All the Way that I saw it, but I do remember how I saw it. The memory was always... Uh, we would go to my great grandma's house, mm-hmm. and she always had a few VHS tapes under her entertainment center, and one of them was Jingle All the Way. So it would be something we did exclusively at great grandma's house was watch Jingle All the Way, and it wasn't always my favorite. Yeah, Christmas movie. I think growing up it was Santa Claus, and maybe there was a time where it was Home Alone, and it kind of flirted around for a bit. But as the years went on, and I became an adult, the movie that I truly look forward to seeing the most. That resonates with me the deepest is Jingle All the Way, and I think I kind of hid that from myself for a while because it was like 
I think for a lot of people, Jingle All the Way is seen as like a shit movie, which is surprising um, to me because I don't. Yeah, I don't but it's it to way. me, it's that is because to me, like as a kid, Santa Claus, or I'm sorry, as a kid, Jingle All the Way, mm-hmm. that movie is the spirit of what Christmas was to me as a child. Sure, I am so excited for the toy or the item I want this year, and like. We're going to the parades, we're decorating the house, yeah. we're putting up the tree, and it's all in service. Kids are selfish. It's not It's not like bad to say that. Like, it's just true. It's all in service of that day where I get to wake up and get those presents that I wanted so bad. And that movie 100%. just encapsulates it. Also, the the, the humor for me uh, as an adult in Jingle All The Way is funnier than anything to me. It's the funniest thing ever. Just all the... Oh, dude. Phil know, Hartman going over his eating his eating Schwarzenegger's wife's cookies. It's I was like, this oh, is these stuff. cookies. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's getting a little nestled too... Nestled safely. I got, I got a Turbo Man for Johnny years ago. It's nestled safely underneath our <laughs> Phil Hartman, no, I think dude, he said months piece, ago, man. not years ago. But, he was so great. I, I Crazy, he died quick. like a year after that movie. I know, I know, Same. man. I think his last one was uh, Small Soldiers. But I have to say real quick, because you made me think of something before we get out. I, I, cause it was like what you said about Jingle All the Way sort of being synonymous with your own personal experiences. That's kind of what the first Santa Claus movie was with me in the sense that Charlie is having this sense of wonder and stuff. I've told this in previous Christmas episodes, but I have to tell this real quick. My One of my favorite Christmas memories, guys, was I don't know how old I was, but we had this big house and it was white and had these like four big pillars in the front. Every kid around the neighborhood called it the White House. And um, my sister and I, we had rooms in the basement adjacent to one another. We had this big heater that was like the home alone heater. It scared the crap out of me. Hmm. But this one particular night on Christmas Eve, my dad, I, my mom is like upstairs, I'm thinking. And my dad is reading me this story and telling me a Christmas story or whatever. And the window up like in my, in my room in my basement suddenly like illuminates with this giant red glow. And I look up and I'm like, oh my God, it's Rudolph. I start freaking out of my mind going insane. I'm like, he's here. Oh my God, I'm not in bed in time, but he's here. I can finally catch Santa because my parents always told me if you caught Santa, you could get one thing that you wanted. Like he had to give you one thing that you wanted out of that bag. (laughs) And so that was a cool incentive to stay up. Of course, I'd I'd go to bed by like 11 or something at the latest. Like that was when I was like, man, I'm staying up. I'm late. But um. I start freaking out, and I want to go get my boots on. I start trying to get my boots on because I'm like, I'm going to go outside and say hi to him. I'm going to go see Rudolph. And then my dad go. my sister in her room is like, what's going on? And my dad starts to tell her, like, Rudolph's outside. Well, then my dad goes into her room to tell her, and as I'm, like, starting to get, we had these, like, two flights of stairs, and as I'm starting to get a couple steps up, my sister starts freaking out. Oh, my God, Rudolph, Rudolph. And the, I, I rushed down. I'm like, I don't want to miss this. So my, which is my logic as weird as a kid. Cause I could have went outside. Right. But instead I go back down the stairs. I go into my sister's room and I see that red shining light beaming in there, you know, and, and through the window and I'm freaking out and it just created this sense of wonder for me. And by the time I went outside, there was nothing. Well, years later, you know, my mom tells me that that was her. We had this plush Rudolph toy and she you know you'd, you'd like touch its ear and it would activate its nose so she was pushing that into the window and it was so dark out we couldn't see anything except that red glow she said she was out there like nearly pissing herself laughing because she hears us ah! you know freaking out and screaming and thing, it, what was so cool to make i think in the fact that those two my mom and dad teamed up 
to make that happen. Like my dad's, you know, reading us a story to distract us. Basically, my mom pulls the stun outside and it was all the fur further solidified for me was that I, I go out in the snow and my mom covered up. I didn't realize this until years later, but my mom covered up all her tracks and instead she replaced it with little footprints like paw prints of a deer. So it really like I was yeah. I was convinced. So it, it made Christmas for me in that moment. It's those little things that make the memories, dude. Yeah. I'm, all about the memories, man. Yeah. Um yeah, this I, fun I've to told do, stories. Yeah, I've told I've told stories about Christmas before. I, I never really like I think my parents said that I did believe in Santa, but it was for such a short time that I don't even remember believing in Santa. Yeah. What do you want to say, Josh? Well, before we go, can you, dude, for the, because I, I feel like we haven't told the story since last year. You got to tell that story of Noah with the troll face in the, in the, the box. Can you tell that story real quick? This is so funny, Brian. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, so my brother wanted, so every year my youngest brother will ask for Christmas present. Yeah. And once he asks for it, it's like 0.5 seconds after he asks for it, he just tells everyone, like, I'm getting this for Christmas. Like, there's no, you know, and he's at this point he's twenty three, right? But this was he was probably like I don't know late teens, I guess, when this happened. But he he just he's still like that, you know. He just he asked for it, and then he just you know I'm getting it, you know. There's no there's no surprise <laughs> there. So he asked for like uh, he asked for this Xbox an Xbox One, and he's like you know I'm getting an Xbox One for Christmas, I'm getting an Xbox One for Christmas, and I, I remember and we of course we were buying him an Xbox One, we were all going in on it for him, and so I told my dad I was like we gotta we gotta find a way to make him, you know, think that he might not get this because this is ridiculous. He's just going around claiming that he's only five days away from receiving his Xbox One, you know? Uh, So instead, uh, we got him, we gave him a a present that was light and, you know, wasn't, obviously wasn't an Xbox and he opened it up and there was a troll face in it. Like literally the troll (laughs) face that you get from Google Images, we print it off onto a paper and he opened it up and he got a troll face and he's like, what is, what is this? And on the back of the troll face, it said, your present is behind the couch. So then he gets up, he runs out of the room, and he goes over to the couch, and he gets behind the couch, and there's another troll face picture. And he's like, what the? And he grabs the troll face picture, and that troll face picture says on the back of it, your present's actually in the garage. So then he runs out to the garage, and in the garage is another troll face picture. And he grabs that, and on the back of it, it says, no, your present's actually underneath the recliner. Go get it. So then he runs into the recliner, and there's another troll face <laughs> And he's just like, come on, guys. I want my Xbox. Like, he's still convinced he's getting the Xbox. But he's also, you can tell he's getting a little afraid, but mostly he's like, I'm totally getting my Xbox. And then after like five or six of those troll papers, it eventually leads to the actual location of his Xbox. And he was like, that was so ridiculous. And me and, and of course, Dad's just getting a, a huge thrill out of it. Because my dad always liked to, like, throw us for a loop that we're not going to get something yeah. or tell yeah. a lie. Like, I remember... One of my most important Christmas gifts of all time was I wanted a TV for my bedroom. Back in the early 2000s when I was like 9, 10 years old, the idea of having my own television for my own bedroom was just so awesome. Mm -hmm. And I remember the whole month leading up to Christmas when I asked for a TV, my dad was building me an entertainment center for my bedroom, which makes it look really obvious I'm getting a TV. But every Mm -hmm. time I'd say to my dad, I'm like, are you building that for my TV I'm getting for Christmas? My dad would be like... I don't know that you're getting a TV. I'm just building this so you can put your toys and your clothes and stuff on it. And I'm like, come on, Dad, it's for my TV. And he's like, you can go ahead and think that, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it still made me think like, oh, shit, maybe I'm not getting one. But I'm probably getting one, but maybe I'm not getting one. You know, so just just things like that. But uh, 
and that's the thing that makes me excited now that I have a daughter for the first time is like, I'll never get to relive those memories of being that excited mm-hmm. for myself. Because even if you got me the most colossal gift ever, like Josh, let's say, you know, my great white buffalo is that Halo 2 Master Chief SMG statue. Yeah. Even if you had that hand delivered to my house Christmas morning, that would be freaking exciting and epic beyond belief. But you still wouldn't get me even halfway to the excitement I felt as a child waking up at 6 a.m. right. To get presents because I'm an adult now. I just you see life through a different lens. It's it's not necessarily well, a you're working lens. constantly and stuff like yeah. that. You don't get to kind of yeah. when you're a kid. Christmas is sort of curated for you. You go to school and there's all the decals and you're doing arts and crafts and stuff. And you have the Christmas specials on TV. Your parents make yeah. cookies. Family comes over to visit. Everything is curated to you and you just get to experience it. When you're an adult, you have to essentially create that for yourself and your those around and if you. You're, Provided you had a good upbringing, which not everyone does, but provided you had a good upbringing, everything in your life is curated to make you feel like nothing's ever wrong or going to be wrong. You're not worried about your health. You're not worried about your parents or anyone else's health. You're not worried about finances or money. You're not worried about anything, anything really. Like your biggest, the goal for, you know, I think I can say this, the goal for your parents is to make your biggest worry whether you'll get what you want for Christmas or not. And yeah. that's your biggest yeah. worry is, will I get the present I want? You know, and then you don't have that when you get older. When you get older, you're just like, you're like, oh, do I got the money for this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, man, it I got to go to the stressful. doctor. I got, I got some growth on my earlobe. I got to go to the doctor, see what that right. is. You know, it's just, it's just a whole different. Right. Story. I will say this is, I mean, even though I've been working like crazy, I still haven't wrapped gifts as of this recording, at least. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. This is the most like invested I've been into Christmas in the last several years and it feels really good. I've watched so many Christmas movies. Dad and I just put up a tree. We haven't had a tree in here for like years and stuff like that. Yeah. So um it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um and I have to say real quick, Brian, I went and looked up the finale um to see what it said. Yeah. And I have to read this little part and then we can get out of here. So just to just to preface so I can't remember if you saw this in a couple episodes, but when Simon gets there, he gets, you know, crowned the new Santa, he can't find the coat. So as the, the the running like there's a running theme where he can't find the coat and he doesn't wear it at all. So it says just skipping forward at the end referring to Scott it says his family also felt the burnout so the break also gave them a new perspective of just how lucky they are to have this connection to the North Pole. When the coat found its way back to its rightful owner, Carol, Sandra and Cal couldn't be more supportive of Scott's decision to re-embrace the role. After yeah. all, 10 it's out why of the 10 now. Yep. After all, it's why the coat hid himself from Simon as it never wanted to make this change permanent. That is great. That makes it. me so happy to hear. Yep. I'm yeah, I gotta finish that maybe this weekend. Yep. For sure. So that's really cool. Uh guys, this is our Christmas episode. Uh we hope that you're having a great holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas or celebrate something else, uh, whether you're with your family or alone or just doing something completely out of you know some people they order pizza and go to the zoo i don't you know some people just do wild stuff i hope you have a <laughs> so great just time standing there watching a lion lick itself while they dangle a slice of pizza <laughs> christmas yeah yeah oh um, hell yeah though we, we hope you guys are having a great holiday we hope yeah. everyone's safe and happy and uh we look forward to uh jumping right back into another year of halo and more with uh, the podcast uh absolutely we, we man Exciting year ahead of us. Halo's in a great position. Uh, season 3 is coming shortly into the year. And 2023 is the year of games. 
Games, 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 games everywhere. Pouring out the ears. So much to talk where's about. Where's my Where's my we Christmas game? I want some Christmas RPG. Oh. Let me Let me go chill they in the North Sa- Pole. The, get the Santa Claus RPG. Dude, give me it. Yeah. Give me it. But yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everyone, and and thank you for your support all year, guys. Hopefully, you guys are staying warm. You're drinking some hot cocoa. You're watching some Christmas classics, and you're around those you love. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. And as always, keep it sacred.